This is Our People and Mother Earth on KWSO. Trauma affects a considerable number of people, and when it is suppressed in some way, it can become deeply rooted in the body. Body-based or somatic therapies focus on releasing past trauma by healing through the body. Marcel Tam is a family doctor at Warm Springs Behavioral Health, focused on trauma recovery and recent studies of the science behind this method. So my focus is on how does trauma, how do emotional aspects of our lives play themselves out in the body, and how can we use the body to help process those things. There are you know, new research uh, items coming out about this stuff. There are books being written, especially in the past five, ten years, uh, talking about, for example, one's called the Bo- How the Body Keeps the Score that's been written in the past ten years, and another book that just came out by a psychiatrist, Gabor Mate, who wrote, he said, The Myth of Normal and how the notion of normal has traumatized our bodies and our emotions. It's something I bet if you asked a lot of the doctors that work at IHS, they kind of intuitively understand that there's a correlation, um, but it's just not something that we're trained in and it's not written to the protocols to look at, well, what are the emotional aspects of this physical disease process? We're kind of in that realm we're stuck in this paradigm of mind and body as being separate. The relationship between traumatic stress and the body's immune system, Dr. Tam says, is a particularly interesting example of the mind-body connection. When our body is under stress, um, it releases stress hormones, you get some adrenaline, cortisol, and those things, in addition to maybe raising our heart rate and getting our body ready for some kind of an action, At the same time, they're also downplaying other parts of our systems. Uh, For example, the immune system will go down. So as our stress goes up, our immune system goes down. And there are many folks who I see in clinic where you can see that very clearly, uh, especially folks who have uh, different autoimmune diseases. Um, We actually give them stress uh, hormones to help lower their immune system. And that's how we help keep their autoimmune disease at bay. Uh, so we actually use this this idea of stress being related to the immune system as a treatment, um, but it's also just seen for folks who might be more prone to getting a cold when there's a higher stress level going on in their life. And that's just a natural part of their body releasing a stress hormone that l- decreases the activity of their immune system. And then the bugs that have just been around are easier to catch and cause and have an impact on their life. Dr. Tam discusses what's been learned so far about the impact of stress on brain health beginning in the womb and how unresolved trauma passes through generations, both very useful to understanding the prevalence of traumatic stress. Uh, we've been learning more and more about stress in pregnancy and not only how does the stress of a mother affect the pregnancy, but how does it affect the child after the pregnancy? And then not only that, how does it affect the grandchild, especially if it's a, it's a daughter? Um, you, we know that the mother not only is carrying a daughter, but that daughter is carrying the eggs that will become the grandchildren. So while that, that baby, that female baby especially, is in the mother's womb, she's paying attention to the stress signals from the mother and reacting, responding accordingly. And so there are studies that have been done about, you know, 
what are the effects of the stress of a grandmother on the grandchildren and their susceptibility to things like asthma or different allergies, the way their immune system is reacting to things. Um, and we're able to, just I think a couple weeks ago, uh, in a, st a study on, I think, zebrafish, which have a, a really popular study because uh, they're, they re reproduce often and are really uh, amenable to being studied from the scientific perspective. Uh, but in zebrafish, it's been shown that uh, a change in what's called the epigenetics of a, of a grandparent will impact the epigenetics of the grandchild. And so that's looking at, at the level of the DNA. Uh, epigenetics are the part of our DNA that turns certain genes on or off. And so that's what they call epi means around. So epigenetics is looking at what are the structures around DNA that's turning things on and off. And they found that in these zebrafish that uh, if something has been, a certain gene has been turned off in a grandparent, it will carry through so that the grandchild still has that gene turned off. And those uh, epigenetic modifiers that turn genes on and off are responding again to stress. And so the stress in a grandparent will turn off a gene or turn on a gene, and the grandchild will feel the effects of that. And that's when we're talking about intergenerational trauma. That's an example of how we've been able to isolate. This might be how this plays through uh, in the body, in our DNA specifically. For some of the people that I see at the Behavioral Health Center, we end up talking about what were the lives of their grandparents like? And for many people that are coming through the doors and seeing me and seeing the other counselors, their grandparents uh, went to the boarding schools. And so there's significant trauma that was there at young ages. And at young ages, that's when we're learning about who we are, we're learning about the world. And so those traumas, those stressors at those young ages can have big impacts on how that human being develops and uh, decides to perhaps encode their epigenetics. And then I'm talking to the grandchildren of those folks uh, who are, they're like, I don't understand why I have this similar tendency to react to stress in this way. And, and so we talk about the grandparents and what did they go through? Oh, you know, they were forced to do very strenuous manual labor if they spoke their native language or they were you know, punished in certain ways. And those types of experiences uh, are incredibly traumatic to the human system. Using his personal experiences from childhood, Dr. Tam discusses how understanding and identifying inherited stress allowed him to work through the emotions, heal and grow. I'll say the way that I experienced being parented uh, and the way my, the people around me, the other kids around me were being parented a lot of it was about withholding food or going, being socially isolated, go to your room, be away from the family. And if you think about, okay, if this child were an adult, in what situations would we be withholding food, starving someone or isolating them? Uh, that's prison. And so one of the ways I've thought about parenting, the way that I experienced parenting to some degree was it's very similar to the prison system, and people are, 
are getting socially isolated or they're not getting food or not getting shelter or other human, basic human needs as a way of trying to modify their behavior. And that uh, was very common in the parenting culture that I grew up in. And uh, when we talk about power, one of the ways that I've learned about it is power with and power over. And so a power with is a more supportive way of, of being with another human being. Power over is a controlling way that restricts the possibilities of that human being so that they, if I'm the one with power over another human, it's, I'm wanting them to do what I want them to do, no ifs, and or buts. And I also want to mention that it's not, a, it's not about blaming a parent you know, for that, that behavior. I think there is a notion of accountability. Like Maya Angelou said, if we know better, we do better. And I think that you know, my, my parents, of course, learned from their parents and made some improvements <laughs> along the way um, so that I didn't receive the full degree of uh, power over parenting that they did probably. Uh, and so I'm, I'm not saying this as a way of blaming previous generation, but I am, I am understanding where they're coming from and I'm learning from that so that I'm not repeating the things that I don't want to repeat for my children. Developing a strong relationship with your body and being mindful about how it interprets or responds, it's the start to healing trauma through the body. So the first step is awareness, right? Understanding that uh, there is a part of our system that may have stronger reaction than, it is, than is needed in that moment, and that comes from our history, uh, from previous generations and from our own lives. And you know, once we recognize that there is something very strong going on in my body, I'm having a strong reaction, then there's a space there, and there's a space to do something about that. And I talk about it as the difference between reacting versus responding. And reacting is that just quick reflex, that desire to just stop this thing in its tracks because I don't want to feel it. And responding is having that little space and making it just a little bit wider and a little bit wider um, and so to bring that to the concrete practical level, that might be taking five breaths before some action. And just when you recognize that your nervous system is going through the roof, taking five breaths, taking a walk, stepping outside of yourself to some degree, outside of that intense reactive process. And those are a lot of the things that I work on with folks when they come see me. We do that with our, our bodies, and you can use your full range of senses. You can use your eyes, your ears, your smell, uh, your taste. You can use movement. You can use touch. All of these ways to soothe your nervous system when you notice that it's being reactive. Understanding the body-mind connection helps manage stress, resolve issues related to trauma, and build resilience. Releasing and regulating the emotions associated with past trauma is important to healing. Sometimes there is a feeling of shame about having intense feelings. So anger is a very common one that I talk a lot with folks about, uh, that people will see the expression of anger as a bad thing. Don't be angry. Um, And there are gender differences around this too. Or anger can be only expressed in certain ways, then it's okay or not okay. 
And at the basic level, every emotion is just an emotion, and that's just our body trying to get something done, trying to change our situation. And so all emotions are healthy. There is no unhealthy emotion. It's just an emotion. The things that can cause harm are the actions that come from that, the words that are spoken, the slaps to the, to the face, or whatever expression of an emotion that can cause harm. Um, and that's not something that we want to perpetuate. Um, but at the base level, feeling an emotion, is it, that's all it is, is an emotion. And so very often that gets a value assigned to it. That's a good emotion or a bad emotion. Uh, and yes, there are emotions that we enjoy feeling and emotions we don't enjoy feeling, but we don't need to feel shame or guilt about having an emotion like anger or sadness. When I think about anger specifically, uh, it is a very important emotion because it takes us from a place of feeling like we're in a situ situation we don't like, but it is actually an expression of belief that I have some power to change my situation and that anger is expressing that if we don't feel like we have the the ability to change our situation and that feeling of anger gets stifled and suppressed that can lead to depression and so for folks that i see who are feeling depressed meaning that they're in a situation they don't like and they feel like they don't have the power to change it we talk a lot about anger and how can you actually step more into anger to feel a sense of control over your life. And that's a very healthy direction to move out of depression. A holistic approach to healing trauma in the body can transform people's perspectives on who they are and what they can do, moving past the traumatic memories that have defined them toward a more healthy and fulfilling life. Number one is that awareness piece of realizing, hey, the way that I'm experiencing life is not 100% aligned with how I want to experience life and knowing that there are options for how to go about making that change. Uh, it, even though it may not feel like there are any options, there are a lot of supports available, and I can start listing off some of the ones that I know about here. There are many more than what I know about, of course, too. Uh, one of them is that at the Behavioral Health Center, there are counselors, so that's a very good early step of saying, hey, is there something going on? I'm not really sure what it is. And uh, the, the therapist counselors are really good at actually honing in and identifying, hey, this is what might be going on. And here are some of the reasons that are not your fault uh, about why you might be feeling this way and why you might be stuck in a pattern, uh, especially close relationships are a common place where patterns play themselves out and and seeing oh why am i in this kind of repeated type of relationship so counselors are a good place to go see humans who are trained in that uh, of course other mentors advisors elders uh, can offer that kind of wisdom too um, it's an unusual thing to recommend but there are a lot of really good mental health supports on social media and as much as I think about social media being harmful, there are actually some really nice benefits to high-quality resources that are available. Um, so, so some, you know, if you find a social media account that that is sharing information that feels like it lands with you, you can 
that's a great resource. Or if you can ask friends about, hey, like, is there anyone on social media that you recommend following? I'm feeling kind of stuck in my life or whatever. That might be a way uh, to do that. Dr. Tam shares this advice when deciding whether or not to confide in another person. One question you can ask yourself, and specifically the part of yourself you can ask is your heart. If you think about being aware in your heart and you ask your heart, do I feel safe going to this person? Do I feel 100% safe going to this person with my life problem, my challenge? Uh, And if the answer is anything except a 100% yes, then maybe don't do that. Although the, you know there are, there are certain steps that might require some courage, and they not, might not feel 100% safe, but listening to your heart is a nice way of discerning uh, which direction to go, which path to take. Working through the emotional stress and hurdles that come from traumatic experiences, when processed properly, are opportunities for personal growth and resilience. Finding support in the community is absolutely possible. So just thinking about you know, where, where do traumas happen? What is a trauma? What does that mean? That's a word that gets passed around a lot, used a lot. And one definition that I have for it is that it's an internal conflict, a conflict somewhere in our systems uh, related to misalignment of emotions, thoughts, or actions. Uh, and so when we have a, that conflict, we can feel it and that when it lasts in our system for days or years uh, or through generations, uh, then we call it a trauma. And so when we want to heal that kind of a trauma, because it can live in our emotional system, our thought system, our physical action system, well, then we got to look at all those parts of our life and include the spiritual part too, of course. So looking at body, mind, emotions, and spirit. And so... Uh, there are many resources for doing that in the community. Um, and you could go about it in an individual, like a one-on-one way or a solo way uh, or a more community way. So, you know, a lot of the, the traditional ceremonies, um, dances, etc., is a really beautiful way of of healing our traumas, uh, really important ways. And so just thinking about our health in that from all those aspects, looking all the way around the medicine wheel uh, and looking especially to traditional life ways is holding a wisdom about how, what is a healthy way for a human being to grow and develop in the context of a community. Everyone is you know, welcome to come to behavioral health and you don't need any referral from outside. You don't need to have a diagnosis of some kind of mental health disorder to come to behavioral health. You just can show up and go through an intake process, and then you can get an appointment with me. In terms of other avenues that you can take, I think a lot of the the providers at IHS that I have gotten to know throughout the years do have an understanding of the relationship between our emotions, our thoughts, and our bodies, and they can address it to some degree. They will also like most likely refer folks to behavioral health. Uh, there are two uh, psychiatric 
focused practitioners at IHS. So that's Ray, Ewing, and Zella. And they both are able to work with these types of notions to some degree. So those are the, the main avenues that I know about for folks who might be interested in some traditions that come from where my ancestors come from, which is China. There is an acupuncturist, Eric, that comes, I think, on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays to the Holistic Health Center up near the courthouse. And the folks that I refer there generally really enjoy his work. And he used to actually teach acupuncture in Portland. Uh, So really, that's another avenue for if you're wanting to explore these, how do emotions live in the body, acupuncture is actually another approach. Thank you to our guest, Dr. Marcel Tam from Warm Springs Behavioral Health. I'm Liz Smith for our People and Mother Earth on KWSO.